To have a life that works, you must be a growing, learning person and make the most of the opportunities you're given. This message is the eighth in the series, A Life That Works. The message is entitled, Bloom Where You're Planted. Here is Pastor Dalo Shields. Grab your Bibles, your teaching sheets as we get ready to dive in to God's Word. This weekend, we're involved in a series of messages entitled, A Life That Works. I want to talk this weekend about blooming where you're planted. Last weekend, we talked about the power of planting, the importance of being planted in the house of God. And the Scripture says that when you're planted in God's house, you will flourish in the courts of God. And so this weekend, I want to talk to you, continue to talk to you about how do you flourish, how do you bloom where you are planted. One of the things that's been interesting to me over the years of ministry that I've been involved in is to watch uh, individuals come into a similar environment with similar opportunities and to watch one person flourish and bloom and prosper in their spiritual lives and see others actually make no progress at all. It's interesting to me. What's the difference between someone, two people that come into the same environment, same opportunities for ministry and growth, and one flourishes and the other doesn't? What's the difference? And I believe that uh, the difference is in the heart of an attitude toward growth, something that happens internally in a person. Because if you have the right internal attitude, whatever environment you're in, you will grow through it. And if your life is going to work the way God intends for your life to work, you have to be a growing person. You cannot stay the same. There has to be growth in your spiritual life and growth in the various dimensions of your life. And so it all starts with you desiring to bloom where you are planted. And I want to talk to you this weekend about growth. How do you grow? How do you bloom where you're planted? How do you flourish in the house of God? What do you do to become a growing person? I want to share with you uh, 10 things that I'm learning in my life about growing. Because, by the way, you grow your whole life. At least it should be something that you do your entire life to be a growing person. So I'm going to share with you 10 ingredients, 10 attitudes that are necessary uh, for you to have and actions that you ought to take in your life if you want to bloom where you're planted so that your life will work well. Number one. It starts with being humble. Learning and growing never happens as long as we think that we know everything we need to know. As long as you think you already know all that you need to know, you'll never seek to know anything different. And there are a lot of people, they might not say that with their words, but really the attitude of their life is, I already know everything that I need to know. And part of what will help you to be a growing person is to say, you know what, in my life, I really want to be a lifetime student. I never want to graduate. And there's something about that attitude that says, you know, I'm never out of school, no matter how old I get, I still have something that I can learn. And humility is that characteristic that makes you honest with yourself, about yourself, and honest about the things that you are still lacking in your life. Because the truth of the matter is, all of us here today are still lacking some things, amen? If you, maybe you thought this was the case, maybe you thought you were perfect, but I need to tell you today, no, you're not, okay? You're not perfect yet, neither am I, We have things where we need to grow in life, and we need to be aware of this and to embrace that very realistically every day of our life. Wake up every morning and say, God, today I'm a student. I'm not a professor today. I'm not a teacher today. I am a student. When you have that attitude, it puts you in a position for learning and growing. There's a principle in Scripture. You may want to write this down. Pride will always restrict you, and humility will always expand you. Pride restricts you. And there are a lot of people that have prideful attitudes in life, and it always shrinks your life. 
If you're a prideful person, it will make you smaller, but humility actually expands your life. It makes it bigger. James 4, verse number 6. I want to invite you to read this together with me. Let's read it aloud and loudly at all of our campuses. James chapter 4, verse number 6. Would you read with me? Here we go. But he gives us more grace. Circle that phrase, more grace. God gives us more grace. How many of you want more grace in your life? I want more of God's grace. This, that is why Scripture says, and here's the key to more grace. Do you want more grace in your life? Here you go. God opposes the proud but shows favor or gives grace to the humble. That is, the expansion of grace comes in your life by a spirit and attitude of humility. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 23, verse number 12, For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Humility says, I know there's a lot that I don't know, and I'm willing and I'm ready to be taught. Humility says, I need help becoming the person that I really, really need to be, and I'm willing to accept your help. God, your help, and the help of others in my journey. And humility is what makes you teachable. It's what makes you trustable. It's what makes you usable. So I would challenge you today that if you want to bloom where you're planted in every realm of your life, make the decision that you're going to get rid of prideful attitudes and say, I am going to live the life of humility. I am a student every day. I, I never want to graduate. I want to always continue to learn. Second of all, the second thing that's necessary to bloom where you're planted is to be intentional. The word intentional means to be on purpose. That's the idea. And to be intentional about growth means this. It's recognizing that growth is not automatic. It doesn't just happen. Spiritual, emotional, psychological, relational, even your professional growth does not just happen. If you don't have a plan for growth, you will never grow. That's why you need a personal plan for your own growth. On our staff here, one of the things that we encourage our staff members to do is have a personal plan for their growth, and we call it a personal development plan. And a personal development plan, you're looking at things in your life that will ask some questions about yourself and then say, okay, what are my goals for growing? What do I want to do? Where do I want to invest my life? And how do I want to invest my energies in becoming the person that God wants me to be? And so I would challenge you to develop a personal development plan. That is, how are you going to grow in your character? How will your character improve? That's who you are in the core of your being. Growth in your competencies, that whatever you've been assigned in life, that you can become more competent doing the things that you do, because all of us could get better at our jobs, amen? How do I become better at doing what I do? Because promotion is linked to your character, and promotion is linked to your competency. If you don't gain greater competency, you're never going to be promoted. Some of you are sitting back saying, I wish I would get that promotion. Well, develop your competency. Get a little better at what you're doing. You'll be amazed at how many folks will pay attention to that. And then grow in your contributions. That is what I mean by that is you're going to grow in terms of what value you add to whatever group you're with whether it's your family, that year by year, I hope that I'm adding more value to my family this year than I added last year. How about you? I hope that I'm adding more value to my church this year than I added last year. And there are a lot of people that they never can continue to increase in the value that they add. In fact, for some folks, every year that goes by, they're actually subtracting instead of adding. And God wants you to become richer in your character and richer in your competency so that you can make greater contributions with your life and then also make sure you're growing in your Christ-likeness. Are you becoming more like Jesus year by year and day by day and month by month? Are these places where you're intentionally growing? Because you 
I'll say this very clearly for all of us today. You are responsible for your own growth. No one else is responsible to make you grow. It's true in your spiritual life. I cannot make anyone grow. All I can do is preach the Bible, preach God's word, and we try to create an atmosphere here that is conducive to spiritual growth. But at some point, you have to decide, I am going to be a person that will grow and intentionally do those things that are necessary. And by the way, let me tell you something. Growth will always challenge you, and growth will stretch you, and growth will intimidate you, and growth will dare you and pull you in ways you've never been pulled before. And if you're not intentional and dedicated to it, you'll never grow. Why? Because you'll run away from the challenges, you'll run, run away from the stretching, you'll run away from those things that God is trying to use to make your life bigger and better. Growth is your responsibility. Second Peter 3 verse 18, but grow, circle that word, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to him be glory both now and forever. Notice the implied pronoun there is you, you grow, do the things necessary to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. Number three, the third thing that's necessary to bloom where you're planted is you need to be engaged. Say that word with me, be Now, I'm not talking of the marital type here. I'm talking about putting your gears in motion. You can't learn anything unless you actually engage with the opportunities that have been given to you. And every person here today, you have opportunities that God has given you right now in your life. If you're married, you have the opportunity to have a great marriage. If you have children, you have the opportunity to raise great kids. If you have a job, you have the opportunity to invest in that job that God has provided for you. In your church, if you're serving in an area of ministry, and I hope that you are, that in that church environment, you have the opportunity to invest in and to grow in that dimension of life and church life and to add your value to those things that God would do in and through the life of the church. But what you must do is you have to engage with the opportunity. There's so many folks that have opportunities sitting right there in front of them, and they have them right now, and they're doing absolutely nothing with them. Their marriage, they're investing nothing in their marriage. Their family, they're doing very little with it. And so you can go across the board and they're not engaging with the opportunities God has given. And a lot of times what happens is people are hoping for more but doing nothing with what they have. And I promise you this, if you don't do anything with what you have, God's not going to give you any more. Getting more starts with doing something valuable with what you have. It's so easy for us to kind of reject the opportunities we have in hopes for something better or something more or greater in life. But God says, what are you doing with what I've given you right now? And so I would now ask ask you that question. What are you doing with what God has given you right now? Truly, what are you doing with the opportunities that God has given you in the moment? Because that's where you bloom, where you are planted. What has God provided you? Now, there's a great parable in the uh, Gospel of Matthew about this. Most of us know the story of uh, the master that gave talents out, or as one translation says, bags of gold out to three different servants. To one he gave five, to another he gave two, and to another he gave one. And he says, I'm going away on a journey. And let me read you just a portion of this. I want you to see the concept of engagement here and how it brings about a blessing and how it brings about a life that really works well. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work. Notice that phrase, put his money to what? Work. That is, he engaged himself with it. He did something with it and gained, notice that he gained 
five more bags. So his investment with what he had been given, his engagement with the opportunity that God had given him produced more. Amen? You seeing this? Okay. So he had this five bags, and he said, okay, I've got this right now that my master has given me. I'm going to take this, and I'm going to work it. I'm going to engage in it. I'm going to do something with what's been given to me. And in fact, he, he actually doubled it. It was incredible what he, what he did. So also, the one with the two bags of gold gained two more. And so the guy that got two, he did the same thing. And so the five and the two both did the same. Now, they didn't both receive the same amount of opportunities, but they both did the same thing with their opportunities. And in life, not all of us are going to always have the same numbers of opportunities that everybody else will have. In fact, the Bible says that God gave them, the Master gave them these according to their abilities. See, if you're, if you, don't get mad because somebody else has five and you have two. Work your two, amen? Don't get mad if somebody's got two and you've got one. Work your one. Whatever it is that you've got, don't spend your time comparing yourself with somebody else. That is fruitless and it's wasteful. And you'll have to take what you've been given and say, God, this is what you've given me. I'm going to go to work with it. I'm going to engage with what I have. Don't spend time cursing what you don't have. Spend time working what you do have. Amen? That should have gotten a better amen, okay? No, it's too late now. Sorry about that. Okay. Notice verse 20, 21, Matthew 25. His master, so the master came back and his master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I gave you a few things, a few opportunities. You were faithful with those. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. What you do with where you are today will determine what you have and where you'll be tomorrow. Say that again. What you do with where you are today and with what you have today will determine what you have and where you will be tomorrow. What you're doing right now with what you have is affecting your future. Engage with it. Number four, be aware. To bloom where you're planted, you must be aware. Awareness, I think, is a a very uh, underestimated, understated inf uh, key to growth. Awareness, what I mean by that is being aware of things in your own life where you need to grow. Aware yourself. Not waiting for somebody else to make you aware, but you taking the effort, putting in the effort and taking the opportunities of life that God will give you to learn to investigate, to be aware of where do I need to grow and where do I need to develop? What do I need to know about God and His Word that I don't know right now? That's a good question to ask yourself. What do I need to know about myself that I don't know right now? You know, there's some things about yourself it would be good for you to know. Some things about your personality it would actually be good for you to understand about yourself every now and then, maybe at least once a year or so. I take a personality inventory. Why? Because I want to see how crazy I really am, okay? I want to figure out what's going on with me. I want to learn something about myself. And so at least once a year I'll do something like that just to get more information about myself. And then what do I need to know about my responsibilities that I don't know? What, I've got some opportunities. I, I need to learn some things about them that maybe I'm not seeing right now. What do I need to know about the people and the environment around me that I don't know? What do I need to know about my progress or my lack of progress that I don't know? Now what do I need to know that I don't know? Where am I lacking awareness? Because you cannot grow if you don't know that space of life where you need to grow. Amen? If you think you've got it all together, guess what? You're never going to grow. Awareness is key. Matthew 13, 15, and 16. 
Jesus' words. He's, he's been teaching and preaching, and certain people have not been responding because they didn't have an awareness of what he was trying to say to them. They were not keyed in to his word. And he says, for this people's heart has become callous. They hardly hear with their ears, and they've closed their eyes. In other words, they are not even, they don't have a clue as to what I'm trying to say to them. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. Notice verse 16, but blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. One, one of the things you ought to pray for every day in your life is, God, give me eyes that see and ears that hear. Amen? God, give me eyes that see and ears that hear. I'm not talking about physical eyes. I'm talking about spiritual eyes and spiritual ears. God, open up my eyes today so I can see things that I need to see and open up my ears so that I can hear those things that I need to hear from you. Number five, if you want to bloom where you're planted, you have to be consistent and persistent. Consistent and persistent. Here are two twins. They go together. Never leave home without them. Carry them with you all the time. Consistency and persistency. Consistency, being consistent is the decision to keep doing the right things over and over and over and over and over. To keep doing the right things, say it with me, over and over and over and over. I'm just going to keep on doing the right things because when you consistently do the right things, you will eventually get the right results. When you consistently do the right things, eventually you're going to get the right results. They don't always come right away or easily, but you just say, I'm going to make a decision. I'm going to do the right thing over and over and over and over again. doesn't matter what other people do. I'm going to keep doing the right thing over and over and over again because I know if I do the right things over and over and over again, I will eventually get the right results. Now, persistence kicks in when your consistency wants to to stop because when you're consistent sometimes you can get tired because it doesn't seem like anything is changing you're doing the right thing over and over again but nothing seems to be changing anybody been there before in your life I'm doing the right things but nothing's changing well then that's when you need to add in that second twin that's called persistency that says you know what even though nothing is changing right now I'm still not going to stop doing the right thing over and over and over again because I'm going to add to my consistency persistency that will get me the progress that's necessary for my life and persistence is that character quality that says I am just not going to give up Galatians 6 9 and 10 let us not become weary in doing good let us not become what's the word there weary in doing good for at the proper time that's a very important statement at one translation says in due season or at the proper time any lady here who's ever gone into labor understands there is a due season and when it comes it comes it happens in that moment you know now is the time get me to the hospital now because the season is now. It's a proper time. And at the proper time, you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, as God gives us opportunity, let us do good. Or the actual word there and the do good is to continue to do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. So growth comes to people who are consistent and persistent. Number six, be committed. Be committed. Consistency and persistency 
all of the outworkings of commitment. I'll explain it this way. How do you stay consistent and persistent? You stay consistent and persistent if you've made a commitment to something. If you've not made the commitment, I promise you, you're going to give up on consistency and persistency along the way. When you're committed to God, you will be consistent with Him, and you'll persist with Him through the challenges of life. But it starts with what? Commitment. That's the root. Starts with the fruit or produces the fruit of consistency and persistency because commitment is what keeps your feet nailed to the floor. It says, I am in this. We talked a bit about that last weekend. And so you've got to make the choice of what you will be committed to in life because what you're committed to is where you will find the strength to be consistent and persistent. Number seven, be helpful. Do you want to bloom where you're planted? Amen? If you want to bloom where you're planted, you have to also learn how to be helpful. Let me explain what I mean by being helpful. To be a learner, you have to become unselfish with your learning. You've got to help other people. That is, pass on your learning to somebody else. Help someone else succeed in their growth journey. That's, that will help you far more than I could probably even describe for you today. When you are growing, if you will now take your growth and help somebody else along with their growth, your growth actually is, 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 is intensified, it's actually, it's actually increased in your life. Because what happens is when you are not only learning as a student but also helping someone else learn, you learn more that way. Because you have to think about how do I take what I'm learning and communicate it to someone else. And that's why that every disciple ought to be making disciples. Right? That's why Jesus said go and make disciples. He didn't just say it to the first 12. He said it to all of us. And so about our life should be about passing on what we're learning to somebody else. So I'm learning it. So I'm going to help you learn it. Because I don't want to be unselfish with my learning. There's nothing smaller than someone that is afraid to share what they're learning. That's a small way of thinking. But a big person says, I'm learning stuff. I want to give you the benefit of what I'm learning because I want to bring you along in the journey because it helps me. That's one of the reasons I love to do pastor's conferences because when I go and speak to other pastors, I have to be on my A game. I have to think about stuff that I need to learn in my own life. And so when I'm passing it on to other pastors, it actually makes me a better pastor. Because I'm thinking about stuff that I need to be thinking about at a whole nother level. And the same is true for you. Get to that place in life where you're passing on what you're learning to someone else. Be a helper to someone else in the journey. I like to say it this way. Let your growth lift all the ships in the harbor. Don't just let your ship be lifted. But let your learning lift every ship in the harbor. Everybody's around you because you're getting better. Everybody else is getting better too. Amen. 2 Timothy 2 verse 2. Let me set this up for you. Paul is writing to his son in the gospel, his son in the faith, Timothy. And he's giving him a number of different instructions. This is one of the pastoral epistles. He's telling Timothy how to pastor his church. And notice one of the instructions that he gave to Timothy, Paul gave to Timothy. And the things you've heard me say, Paul says, Timothy, the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust or give away, put into reliable people, who will also be qualified to teach others. Paul says, Timothy, you know, all, those stu- all that stuff I've been teaching you, now here's what you're supposed to do, Timothy. You're supposed to take what I've been teaching you, and you're supposed to take it and find some good folks around you and invest in them. And then what they're supposed to do is take that, what they're learning, and invest it in others around them. So there's an ongoing responsibility to help other people 
grows. See, we are our brother's keeper, amen? We have a responsibility to help our brothers and sisters along the way. Number eight, be responsible, be responsible. I'm gonna explain responsibility. I'm gonna just talk about one slice of responsibility. There's a lot of things we could talk about in terms of responsibility. I'm gonna talk about just one, one little area of it, but a very important area. Some of the best learning you'll ever have in life will come from your mistakes. If you really use your mistakes the right way, if you handle your mistakes the right way, your best educations will come from your mistakes. If, again, if you handle them the right way. But education from your mistakes will only happen if you accept responsibility for your mistakes. Let me say that again. You will never get any education from your mistakes unless you accept responsibility for your mistakes. If your mistakes are always somebody else's fault, you will learn nothing from them. When things go wrong, if you're always blaming somebody else for the things that are going wrong, guess what? You're not growing a bit. You're just projecting your problems out on other people. But when you accept responsibility for mistakes that happen in your life, then what will occur is that you can begin the process of gaining wisdom, okay? And by the way, it's okay to make some mistakes along the way. And I'm not talking here about moral mistakes. I'm just talking about, and even though those are, those are real in life as well, but I'm talking about just the mistakes of, of just decisions. That you, some of you can say, you know what, there's some things I would do over, I would do differently if I had the opportunity to do them over. Amen? I do them differently because I learned something. I made some mistakes along the way. And so that's what I'm talking about here. And so let me share with you uh, four things. You may want to write these down on your notes. I, I did not give them to you, but I'll ask you to write them down. Four ways to handle your mistakes that will make you bloom where you're planted. Are you ready for this? How many of you want to bloom where you're planted? Can I have a good amen? Amen? Okay. Well, if you, when you make mistakes, here's how you accept responsibility for them. Number one, admit it. I made a mistake. Say it with me. I made a mistake. Very important. Not I am a mistake, but I made a mistake. A lot of people, when they mess up, they just go into this, poor me, I am a mistake. No, you're not. You're not a mistake. You made a mistake, all right? There's a big difference there. And so say it again with me. I made a mistake. For some of you today, it was the, I made a bunch of mistakes, okay? That's true for most of us. But sometimes that's hard to say, but that's accepting responsibility. It's not you made a mistake. It is I made a mistake. Number two, second step of accepting responsibility, apologize to those that your mistake affected, that you're aware of where it affected. I'm sorry I was wrong. I'm sorry I made a mistake. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I made a mistake. I'm sorry. Say now together. I made a mistake. I'm sorry. Now, some of you are having a really tough time getting those two phrases out, aren't you? Okay. I want to direct you today again one more time. Are you ready? Turn to your neighbor and say, get ready to say this. It's going to hurt, but we're going to say it anyway. Are you ready? I made a mistake. I'm sorry. Now, when you make a mistake and you say, I made a mistake, I'm sorry, and you really mean that, okay? Not just, I'm sorry, but you really mean, I'm sorry. Then you're on the road to learning from it. You'll never learn until you do those two things. That's the beginning point of learning from anything in life. Don't ever think you're learning if you're not doing those two things. So I made a mistake. I'm sorry. 
The third word to write down when you make a mistake is to analyze. How did this happen? Let me step back from, how did I make this mistake? What, what, what was I thinking? How did I get here? How did, what was my thought process that led me to this? And so you do some analysis. Don't just let a mistake go by without doing some analysis. Think about it. What am I learning from this? What, what, what transpired that got me to this place? And then the fourth word, write this one down, adjust. Adjust yourself. Make adjustments for the future. Okay. What can I adjust in my life so that I don't do the same thing again? I don't want to make the same mistake. So what changes do I need to make so that I will not do that again? So admit, I'm sorry, I, I, I made a mistake. Apologize, I'm sorry. Analyze, I'm going to step back and say, okay, what do I need to learn from this? And then adjust what changes will I make in my life moving forward. Number nine, got two more for you. Be enthusiastic. The best students are enthusiastic about the things that they're learning. And their enthusiasm is generally linked to the point of practical application. I get enthusiastic when I realize something I'm learning is actually has application or changes my life. For many of the first years of my education experience in the elementary school and early high school, uh, actually throughout high school pretty much, I, I did not enjoy history at all. I did not, history was not my favorite class. I had, obviously you have to take history and I took it and did well in it, but I didn't like it. It was not the kind of thing I'd just get through history, get through it. Until my first year at college, and I had to take history in my first semester at college, I believe it was, first or second. And I had a history teacher that brought in a connection between past history and today. Because I thought about, all those people are dead anyway, okay. It's dead, okay. Well, I don't want to study all those dead people, okay. I want to talk to somebody that's alive, okay? But he brought the past into the present in such a way that I realized there was something that had meaning for me, and I became, I mean, I became enthusiastic about history. Today, one of my favorite things to read, history. I love reading history. I'm in love with history. Why? Because it brought the application. I became an enthusiastic student of it because I could see it's making a difference. It can make a difference in my life. And so what, what you need to do is to try to bring what you're learning into the practical applications of life and say, you know, this is really important stuff. And to get excited about it. Why? Because growth is something you get excited about, folks. When you're growing, that's a fantastic thing. When you start blooming where you're planted, that's incredible. That's wonderful because you're actually seeing Scripture being fulfilled in your life. Matthew 25, 21, his master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. You've learned how to handle a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's enthusiasm. Come and share your master's happiness. Come and enter into that sense of joy that comes with growth. Be an enthusiastic learner. Last thing here today is be grateful. Be a grateful learner. Always express your appreciation to people who help you grow. Always thank God for the challenges and assignments that have helped you grow. Very, two very important things. Actually, I'll add it there. Always thank God for the grace He gave you to grow. Amen? Thank Him for the grace He gave you to grow. Notice those three things. Let's start with God first. God, thank you. I'm grateful that you've given me grace to grow. I'm not the same person I used to be. I'm not the person I'm going to be. But thank God for your grace that I'm not the same person I used to be. Amen? Oh, I'm so grateful that I can see a little bit of growth in my life. How about you? Okay? And there's going to be more in my life. And so I thank God for his grace. And God, I thank you. I thank you for the people that you put in my life that have helped me grow. 
And not just thank you, God, but I'm going to thank the people as well. I'm going to say to them, thank you for helping me grow. Appreciate those people in life. And then, God, I thank you. This is a tough one sometimes, but very, Lord, I thank you for the challenges you brought my way and the stretching that you've given me and the situations you put me in that have caused me to kind of be pulled in various ways that I wouldn't be the person I am today had I not been stretched by those things. So, God, I thank you for the stretching that you brought in my life. I thank you, God, because a grateful heart will be a growing heart. When you're grateful, you're going to grow. Romans 13, verse 7, if you owe someone respect, respect that person if you owe someone honor, honor that person. So who do you need to honor that maybe you're not honoring because they've helped you get to the growth that you have in your life today? Then Galatians 6, 6, with this we're going to conclude. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction, when you're receiving instruction, if somebody's teaching you, who receives instruction in the Word should share, that is communicate, open up all those good things with their instructor. Let their instructor know that they're making a difference in their life. To make and have a life that works, you've got to blossom, bloom where you are planted. Be humble, be intentional, be engaged, be aware, be consistent and persistent, be committed, be helpful, be responsible, be enthusiastic. And what was the last one? Be grateful. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for your word today. We're so grateful for the opportunity we have to study together. And I pray you'll take this message today and apply it deeply to our hearts. I pray you'll help us to become, Lord, people who truly bloom where we're planted for your glory and for your honor. In Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us for today's message. I trust that you've heard something from God's Word that'll make a difference in your life now and forever. Maybe as you were listening to today's message, God began to speak to you about a personal relationship with Himself. You know, the most important thing we can ever establish in our life is a relationship with God, and we do that by opening our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. If you've never invited Jesus into your life, today is your day. It's your opportunity. I want to lead you in a prayer right now that you can pray that will forever change your life, that will allow your name to be written in the book of life for eternity. All you need to do is simply pray this prayer with me and mean it in your heart. If you'll mean this prayer, God will hear you. The Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So would you pray with me right now? Whisper these words to God or speak them out right where you are. Say, Jesus, just mention his name. Say, Jesus, I admit to you today that, that I am a sinner and I'm sorry, God, for everything I've done wrong. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you are God's Son, the Savior, the Redeemer. I thank you that you died on the cross for me and that you rose again. I believe in you, Jesus. And then whisper this prayer. Say, Lord, today I invite you to come into my life, to forgive me of my sins, to give me a brand new start in you. I give my life to you today in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer with me and I ask that now they would continue to grow in you and serve you faithfully from this day forward. In Jesus' name. If you just prayed that prayer with me, friend, I want you to know that Jesus Christ heard you, that your name has been written in that wonderful book of life, and that now today you start a brand new life in Christ. And to do so, you need some help. You need to learn how to live your life for Jesus every day. We'd like to provide for you. In fact, we have available for you some resources that you can get from our website, church-redeemer.org, that will help you to get a good start in your relationship with Jesus Christ. So again, check out the website, church-redeemer.org. Find those resources that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus.
If you've prayed with the pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to www.church-redeemer.org slash new beginnings. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.